Thank you for joining the Pinewood Church Podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you fresh perspective on how God is moving in your life. For more information, visit us at pinewoodboulder.com. Enjoy the message. I love everything about Christmas. I always get a little emotional on Christmas time, too, especially thinking about the story. Uh, we wives watch the nativity story together, and I always get a little emotional around this time of the season. I'm kind of emotional anyway, so it just, just takes it up a notch. Everybody that knows me laughs a little because I, I cry sometimes. It's all right. We all do. But I know that everybody views Christmas a little different. Not everybody loves everything about Christmas like I do. I know that for many of you here tonight, Christmas is kind of a hard season. Uh, I know that many of you here tonight have probably lost loved ones, as have we, around the Christmas time. And so uh, every time Christmas rolls around, you get that reminder that there's this loved one uh, that's not there with you. And so we understand that. And, you know, maybe there may be some bad experiences surrounding Christmas. Maybe uh, for the last 21 years, you did not get the Christmas gift that you wrote into Santa. Sorry, this is your year. Write it on the prayer card. Okay, this is your year. <laughs> I, don't know what it, I don't know what it is uh, for you, or I don't know how you came in here. But it's my prayer that however you came here and however you view this Christmas season, uh, that you would leave a little bit more encouraged about the Christmas season. Uh, re- realizing that there really is something to celebrate this time of the year, something to rejoice about this time of the year. So... I'm a little bit of a, a planner. For those of you that know me, you may be, um, you know, you may laugh at that as well and be like, yeah, right. But, I, but for real, I'm always thinking about the future. I'm a futurist. I think about the future and then I strategize for the future and every detail matters. I'm, I feel like I'm constantly a, adjusting the rhythms of my life. I'm constantly adjusting, adjusting certain goals that I have to attain the, the, the vision that I want and, and the future that I see. And every detail matters. And as I was looking about the text that we're going to be talking about tonight in the first few chapters of Luke, uh, he doesn't miss a single detail. And we're going to, I'm not going to be able to share all the details with you tonight. There's just too much. Uh, but I hope that as we share some of the details of the greatest story that has ever been told, I hope the scripture comes alive for you tonight. I hope that you, you see something maybe in the text, especially in the first few chapters of Luke that we're going to look at over the next three weeks. I hope maybe you see something that you haven't seen before. And, and that, my hope and my prayer is that as you leave, your life will be changed because we engage the scripture and the power of God moved in our midst. We're going to be looking, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth who is the dad and the mom of John the Baptist. The title of the message tonight is Preparing the Way. Again, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 5 and continuing on to verse 25. Let's look at this. It says, In the days of King Herod of Judea, there is a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame, according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in their years, a.k.a. they're old. 
When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and to burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people were praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the power, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous. To make ready for the Lord a prepared people. And then Zechariah, how can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. For I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Smart man. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to tell you the good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them. Then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. Let's pray before we dive into this text. God, I thank you for this story. I thank you for these people. And um, God, I just ask that tonight... You would be the teacher, that your spirit would move as we unpack uh, a lot of the details of this text and just some ways that we can apply this text to our life, Father. God, I ask that we leave different than the way that we came. Uh, Better understanding who you are, better understanding the story uh, of the greatest story that has ever been told. And Father, tonight in everything that we do and everything that we say, Father, we give you all of the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we're going to go through this text. If you're taking notes, I have an outline for you, but we're going to go through this text and just kind of one by one, just kind of unpack some of the details that uh, I see in the text. And the first thing that I want to see is that they were, uh, that Elizabeth and Zechariah, they had a heart of obedience. So if you're taking notes, the first thing that you can see uh, in verse 5 through 9 is that they had a heart of obedience. It says, in this day, King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. He was a priest, and it goes on to say, uh, both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the law. Now, we know uh, uh, from this text, there's a lot of people living by the requirements of the law, law, but we know that the way this text is worded, that he was counted righteous before God, means that he was living with a heart of obedience. He wanted to serve God with a heart of obedience. He was counted righteous before the Lord. And because of that righteousness, God found, 
put favor on his life. He didn't request the favor. God put the favor on his life. And then the next, the next thing that we see is that he was a priest. Now, it may be in, in, the, in this days, especially, you know, around here, there's not a lot of pastors in the area. But in that day, there were 18,000 priests in the city of Jerusalem. There's a lot of information, but these 18,000 priests were broken up into 24 divisions. And they would serve for two weeks a year at the temple. One week, two different times. And this is, uh, you would think, this is 18,000 priests, he's a priest, he's, he's royal. The reality is that being a priest in this time was not that big of a deal. It's likely most of the people that you knew were a priest. There's a lot of priests in the area at the time. Something that else that I want to just pull out from this text is that Zechariah is not a big deal in the city of Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, there was about 100,000 plus people, which at the time was a pretty massive city. And then around you had these little suburbs, these little towns. And he was a priest of one of these little suburb little towns. He may have had a synagogue of somewhere between 30 to 50 people, but not a lot of people are going to his church. Just to give you a visual and an idea of who is this character, Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. Imagine, if you will, a man laid in his ears, an older gentleman who is a pastor of a church in a very, very, very small town. He may pastor a church of about 50 people. And on, and on any given Sunday, there may be around 20 to 30 people that show up to his church. He's bivocational. He also works a full-time job. And this was Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth in the time of Jerusalem. He just wasn't that guy, the elevated guy that you would think, this is going to be the one that God is going to choose to be the parents, the father and son of John the Baptist. But this is who God chooses. I think it's important to see from the text that people aren't chosen because of status. God doesn't look down and see the exterior and your status and how you're elevated, but God looks down and sees your heart. And he wants to use you if you will be faithful and committed before him. It goes on to say, but they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive and both of them were well along in their years. So he was a priest, they were poor, and they were old. And when the division was on duty, he was serving as a priest. This is verse 8, we're going to read along. It happened that they were chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary to burn incense. So, every year... Two times a year for one week, he goes into the city of Jerusalem to perform his priestly duties. The priests gather around and they do what's called casting lots. Basically, it's a lottery to see who gets to go in to the temple to do the big job of burning incense. may not seem like a big deal to you, but at the time, this was a really big deal, and, and I'll explain why. And this was his day later on in his life. I mean, this, he's an old guy. You've got to imagine, he's been a priest for a long time, comes from a lineage of ministry families. So does his wife. So he's been in this moment a long time. Every year, he comes back to the same place, cast lights, not him, not him, not him, not him, not him. A priest would only get to do this honor one time in his whole life. And there would be many priests that wouldn't get to do this at all. But this was Zechariah's day. The lots were cast, his name was called, and he was going in to the temple to burn incense. 
Many of you may have, have you have you read this text before? You may have thought, and what what's with the incense? Why is he going into the temple? There's a lot of questions, and honestly, we could talk for a very, very long time about all of the details leading up to that and some specific things about the temple. But this was a, a, a responsibility of the priest to walk in to burn an incense because that in, incense was a representation of, of our prayers going up into heaven and being a sweet fragrance to the Lord, to God. And so that's what he was going in. He would put frankincense and he would put myrrh on the coals and that, that fragrance would go up to heaven. And this was his day. And, and as, that, as that fragrance would burn, he would pray. Let's look on into the text in verses 9. It says, It happened that he was chosen by God according to going to the sanctuary to burn incense. And at the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people were praying outside. So the first is he was chosen because he had a heart of obedience. Next, we see in the text an hour of doubt. An hour of doubt. You have this man of faith, of righteousness, of faithfulness, has a moment of doubt. How many of you have been praying for something for a very, very, very long time, and you did not see God do that, and you were having moments of doubt? Can anybody attest to that out there? You're like, a long time? What do you mean? I prayed for something yesterday, and he didn't answer, and I'm having doubts today. I get it. But that happened here. He was praying about something, and he had this moment of doubt. We're going to look Verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right hand of the altar. And when Zacharias saw him, he was overcome with fear. I mean, you can't imagine, I mean, especially like that. This is a really, really big deal. You're praying next to this altar. The incense going up. It's a very peaceful moment. You're kind of already an old guy. And then all of a sudden, bam, this very, who knows? I don't know. But imagine this very big, bright angel appears out of nowhere. It is a miracle this poor guy didn't have a heart attack, and that was it for Zechariah right there. It's like, didn't even hear it. But boom, I would have been afraid too. He references that he was uh, Gabriel. There's two angels given by name in Scripture, and that's Michael and Gabriel. Had that been Michael, he might have had a heart attack, because Michael was the warrior angel. If Michael showed up, it's about to get intense. Things are about to go down. But this was Gabriel. This is the messenger angel that God had sent down to, del- that he, he sends down to deliver messages to his people. So here we see him with Zechariah. And I love this part in verse 13. He said, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayers have been heard. Your prayers have been heard. Now, there's much debate uh, among theologians as to what What prayers? What prayers was he praying that was answered? Was it uh, that the, the Messiah would come? Because you've got to think, at this point in time, which we'll talk about this in a minute, but they had experienced, the Israelites had experienced 400 years of silence. When the Old Testament closes out in the final chapter, speaking of a prophet that would come before the Lord, Elijah, that was the last recorded words from God that we have. And then there's 400 years of silence before the silence is broken with this message from the angel. So a lot, there's a lot of uh, debate about, was he praying for the coming Messiah as the incense was going up? God, we, we ask that you would send the Messiah to come. 
Or I believe, I believe that he was saying that your prayers are answered because you've been praying for an heir, for a son. In that time, in scriptures, it was oftentimes a disgrace if you did not have children. And so it could have been that they've been just been praying like, God, would you grace us with an heir, a son that we could pass down? I believe that was the prayer that was answered. Because your prayers have been heard, your wife will bear a son and you will name him John. Man, I, when I read that, I, I thought to myself, like, come on, John. In that moment, get pumped up. You've been praying for this for probably 40 years, 30 years, who knows how long. You may, I think he was, if I had to take an educated guess, maybe in his 70s, 60s, 70s. But you've been praying this for how long? Get pumped up. Yeah, Gabriel, let's go. I've been ready for a son about time. been praying. But that's not what happens. He has a moment, a doubt, an hour of doubt. It says, there will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. But he says, how, how can I know this? How can I know this? I, I, as I was thinking about this, this situation with uh, Zechariah having been in waiting for a very long time for his son, and then on the other side, I think about uh, this 400 years of silence that's going on, uh, there's a, waiting seems to be a theme here. There's a lot of waiting happening. But something that I, I want us to see from uh, the scriptures is just because God is silent, it does not mean that God is absent. And I feel like many of you here today may be like, man, I, I feel like I'm in that waiting season. Like, I've been praying for something, but I haven't heard from God. Or I've been, waiting, I've been waiting in this season for a long time, but God hasn't answered my prayers yet. And you're in this waiting season. And I want to encourage you today that God's still working in your life. He's still working in that situation, whatever that prayer is. I love that Zechariah didn't give up praying. He didn't get to a point in his life where he's like, well, I haven't heard anything, so I guess I'm just going to stop praying before God. But no, he kept being faithful and to pray for what he felt God answered. God will always answer your prayers. Let me tell you that right now. He will always answer your prayers. It may be yes. It could be a no. Or maybe it's a not yet. I don't encourage you today, if, you, if there's something in your life that you feel like God has given you a yes on, believe in that yes. Commit to that yes. Stay faithful to that yes. And recognize that God is still working, even in the waiting. And I love that Zechariah, you know, having, not having kids and feeling like a disgrace or whatever the case may be, he could have turned his back on God. He could have gotten angry, but he didn't. He remained faithful, even in the waiting it was an hour of doubt. So I feel like, I feel like my, my, our family, we've, we've experienced this before uh, at a personal level. You know, my wife and I, whenever, uh, a couple years after we were married, we're, we were trying to have kids. And it, if you saw our family now, you would think, well, there's no problem there. But, but that hasn't always been the case. We couldn't have kids for a, a long time, a while. 
and, and trying everything. And man, that stresses me out. I knew I wanted to have a big family way before I was married. As long as I can remember, I'm like, that's what I want. Big family, big kids, lots of chaos. That was like my like, vision for the future. Check, check. Got it. We here. We here. But it hadn't always been that way. It's been, uh, honestly, during that season where we couldn't have kids, there was a lot of surrender taking place, a lot of suffering taking place. And uh, a lot of pain, a lot of tears. And, and there's a lot of moments uh, in, our, in, our, in our marriage where we just would look at each other. And, and, you know, if you've ever experienced infertility or anything like that, you know, it's the most stressful thing ever. You're like, because is you're like, man, what, like, maybe this time let down. Maybe, oh, and then we're going to be pregnancy said, and then let down, let down, let down. And it got to the point where we just kind of had to come to, to grips when we said to ourselves, we, I remember the moment where we looked at each other and we said, if God does not allow us to have kids, and that's our story, he's still good. I still trust in his plan, and we're going to be all right. And it was this moment where I just had to keep letting go, letting go, letting go, letting go. And shortly after that, that's when we adopted our boys and got pregnant all at the same time. Which is a blast, you know. Going zero to three is always the goal. <laughs> but that's the season that Zechariah and Elizabeth were in. They were in a lot of suffering. And I'm sure experiencing a lot of surrender. And I think it's this beautiful moment that that's when God steps in. And he says, hey, by the way, I've heard your prayers. You're going to have a son. Not only are you going to have a son, but he will be great. He will be great. I love verse 15. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never drink wine or beer, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's room. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. Now, as you're reading that text, how many of you are thinking, what does the spirit and power of Elijah mean? This is really cool. So uh, it's actually echoing a prophecy from Malachi chapter 4, verses 5. There's a prophecy that there would be an Elijah-like figure that would turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. It's a specific Old Testament reference that happened over 400 years before that he's referencing this man's son. And he's a priest and he knows what this means. It's like, wait, spirit and power of Elijah? Whoa, that's Malachi, the prophet, the servant of God. And there are many other references as well that, that I don't have time to read. If, uh, but if you want to look these up later, this is really cool. These are other references to prophecies related to uh, John the Baptist coming. And that's Matthew 11, 14 and 15, Mark 9, 11 through 13, and John one. But in all of the Gospels it references, this is an incredible moment of this uh, prophet coming as this, with the spirit of Elijah. And then it also says in verse 17 as well, it says, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. This echoes a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. Like, what am I talking about, prophet? Yeah, it's what I mean. I'm saying there was somebody a long time before that said this very specific thing, this detail is going to happen, and this is when you'll know that the Messiah is coming. 
there'll be a one that prepares the way, and that'll be John the Baptist. It says in Isaiah 40, 3 through 5, a voice of one crying out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness, make straight a way for our God in the desert. Every valley will be lifted up, every mountain and hill will be leveled, the uneven ground will become smooth, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will appear, and all humanity will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And then it also references it again in Luke 3, 4 through 6. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. Another reference back to the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. I tell you right now, church, if God said it, he's going to do it in every situation. And we see that all throughout Scripture, all human history. As far back as we can trace, is leading to one man. And there are countless prophecies to every minute little detail. We'll talk about many of those next weekend as we look at the life of Mary. We'll look at many more of those prophecies that were fulfilled. But God was into the details. And God was moving in the waiting. And then the third and the final thing that I want us to see is that God answered his prayer, just like he said that he, God, God always comes through and says what he's going to do, and he does in this instance as well, and they have a son, and they name him John. You can, uh, we're going to fast forward, because this next part of the text talks about Mary. We're talking about her next week. We're going to fast forward to verse 57. I'm going to read a couple verses to you, uh, and then we'll be wrapped up. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son, just like the angel has said, then her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her his great mercy, and they rejoiced with her. When they came to circumcise the child on the eighth day, they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother responded, No, he will be called John. Then they said to her, None of your relatives has that name. So they motioned to the father to come over to see what he wanted to call him. He said, writing on a tablet, His name is John. And they were all amazed. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free. And he began to praise God. Fear came on all those who lived around them. And all these things were being talked about throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard about him took it to heart saying, What then will this child become? For indeed the Lord's hand is with him. John, Zechariah's response to the answers of prayer was praise. He had a house of worship and he had a house of praise. And I was thinking about, as I was reading this text, I was thinking to myself, yeah, he's praising God for a son. Yes, he's praising God for an heir. But man, he had no idea what was coming. That his son, John the Baptist, was going to be the forerunner for Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Now that's a type of a praise. When that sinks in, which I'm sure was on his mind, but when that sinks in deep, that's something to do a little dance over. That's something to get super excited about. That finally the prophecies are being fulfilled. Finally our rescuer is here. Jesus is coming. And our son is going to be the one preparing the way for him. 
Turning fathers to their children, children to their fathers, making a way for the Lord, bringing others that are hard and breaking them, bringing them to righteousness. John the Baptist, as we'll uh, discover a little bit later, he's a wild man. This dude's eating bugs, living in the wilderness. I mean, this dude's crazy. But he's passionate about preparing the way for the Lord. And as we look ahead, preparing the way, as we look ahead of of this next Sunday and even this Christmas season and then uh, Christmas Sunday as we celebrate the birth of our Lord, I say we'd be like Zechariah. We open our mouths and let our mouths be praising the Lord this season, rejoicing. Rejoicing in in the details, the prophecies that were fulfilled. Rejoicing that he uses people like Zechariah and Elizabeth. Rejoice in the fact that he'll take these people who in otherwise status standards would be nobodies. And he's like, nope, I'm not only going to make you a somebody, I'm going to make you a parent to John the Baptist who's going to prepare the way for my son. And I'm going to make you a big deal putting you in Luke chapter 1. And we're talking about him today. Maybe thinking, I'm not a big deal. God wants to use you. God wants to do something special in your life. And then finally, it's my prayer that if you're here today and you've been in the waiting on something and you're saying, man, I just don't know if God heard my prayer. I just don't know when God's going to come through and do this thing in my life. I want to encourage you today. God is working in the waiting. He may be silent, but he is not absent. Our community at Pinewood Church aims to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus in Boulder and around the world. Thank you for your support. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find out more at pinewoodboulder.com or on any social media platform with the handle at pinewoodboulder.